Joining us on this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum podcast, our old friend Roger Brown from uh, the Union Leader, New Hampshire Football Report.com, and of course, now the 603 Sports Podcast. Roger, the football tournament gets underway this weekend, and uh, we've got some interesting matchups. It's a point system, though. That's that's what they use to set up the brackets, correct? Yes. Yep. yep. So the top three seeds were given because we have a three division setup. Um, they, they were given buys Pinkerton and the Portsmouth Oyster River and uh, Bedford. Bedford. Yeah. So those are the three that get to sit out and watch what happens this weekend. Correct. The next 10 teams play are the ones that play this Friday and Saturday. The teams had the opportunity to either pick a Friday night contest or Saturday by, from what you're hearing, are they, are they on Friday or Saturday or who's doing what? Well, in Division One, I, I think everybody is Saturday. Uh, there were some teams that tried to play Friday, but they were told no. By whom? I'm not sure. Might might have been their opponent. Might have been the. Uh, they're supposed to be allowed to play Friday if they want. So, we do have some Friday games, but none in Division One. Okay. Division right. Two and one Division Four. And and so, everybody is in in the pool this week, so to speak. All the divisions are playing some sort of a of a contest, whether it's a, a, a prelim or a quarterfinal or a semifinal, correct? Every Division One team is in action this weekend because even the non-playoff teams play Thursday night. Was that a new wrinkle that was added this year? No, last year they added it because, you know, because last year's when they had to go to the new format because they had uh, an extra team. When Timberlake came up to Division One from Division Two, so they had to reconfigure everything. Uh, made it kind of difficult on them, to be honest. Uh, that's why the out-of-state games came into play, what have you. Uh, the, but the other division, Sherm, you're right. Yeah, everybody else is starting the playoffs this weekend. There's eight teams in Division Two, and then four in Division Three and Four. The teams that are going to be playing, uh, it's going to be uh, eight versus nine in uh, the upper bracket. That's Bishop Girton versus Dover. Um, Give us your take on that one. That's a, that that should be a good one. Yeah, that's really uh, that should be one of the better, more, more entertaining first round matchups. I, I was really high on Dover. I thought they would finish a lot higher. Of course, Exeter beat them last weekend, and knocked them out of a home playoff game. Uh, Dover kind of limped down the stretch here. They struggled to beat Concord, needed overtime. Uh, Concord, you know, they they only won two games, and then they. Uh, you know, really uh, couldn't move the ball very well against Exeter last weekend, held to one touchdown. Uh, So I can't explain what's happened to Dover the last two weeks, but they're a very talented team. BG, probably the best passing attack in the state. So should be plenty of offense in that game. I think that'll be a very entertaining game. And for for what it's worth, anybody going to that game, that's a double header with uh, uh, Nashua North and Alvord are playing at Stello Stadium earlier that day as well. So, you know, full day of football for people who are headed to Nashua. And and the winner of that matchup will have to face off against number one Pinkerton. So that's, that, that's going to be, uh, you know, going from the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. But let's go to the next uh, next uh, pairing. It's, it's number four, Londonderry taking on number 13, the Jaguars. Uh, and then the bottom end of that bracket, is uh, the extra Blue Hawks at number five going up against number 12, Keene. So let's start off with Londonderry Wyndham. Yeah, Wyndham almost beat Londonderry in the regular season, uh, 21 to 14. 
you know, I think people thought Wyndham was like, um, I think they started the season like sixth in the power pole. So they sort of underachieved in the eyes of a lot of people. They had to win their last two games just to get a playoff spot. But now that they're in, uh, I'm sure Londonderry's not happy. That's who they have to face. So, you know, I, I wouldn't go so far as to predict Wyndham's going to win that game, but that's not your typical four versus 13, so to speak. That's a, that's a tough first round matchup for Londonderry. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the winner uh, would play the Exeter uh, Keen winner. And that, you know, we haven't seen Keen for a while here on, on this side of the state, so to speak. So, uh, savvy me up on what we're going to see for the Blackbirds. Blackbirds are uh, similar to Exeter in some ways. They run a, a wishbone offense, but, you know, they re rely on, they run the ball between the tackles, power running game. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you their personnel name wise, but I know their quarterback is very good and they have a uh, exceptional running back and they have one of the best offensive linemen in the state. So I would say that, you know, that's a game that's going to get condensed because you know how Exeter uses the clock, sure, you know, with their drives. And Keen's the same way. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of possessions. So if you get a chance to score, you better take advantage. Or likewise, one or two turnovers could really um, play a bigger factor in this game than most just because, you know, you'd expect both teams to really be eating the clock with the type of offenses they use. So, uh you know, not a large margin for error for either team in this game, I don't think. Right. And 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 I was going to say with the traditional way of playing football, the way the Bill Ball style of playing football, uh, in the last few weeks, uh, they've finally got their act together. The defense is tightening up. Um, but did you have any takeaways from the – last regular season when they played Dover and got into uh, position five in the tourney? Yeah, I think uh, I thought their defense looked excellent against uh, Dover, to be honest with you. And I know they've got a lot of injuries on that side of the ball. Uh, I think if you look at Exeter's schedule, their, their results, it's really been the offense that's, you know, been a problem more so than the defense. Uh, you know, I saw their game against Memorial and, um, uh, you know, they got it together in the second half, but they didn't move the ball all that well in that game. Uh, you know, they've shut out by Londonderry. Uh, so, you know, they're going to – I think they need to create some big plays. You know, you know that's not Exeter. You know, that's three or four yards and a, a whack is good. But when things are going good for them, they usually bust a couple, you know, 50-yard runs or what have you. The other thing they got to do, Sherman, I, I don't have this uh, – documented but they've been giving up touchdowns early like memorial scored on the very first play of the game i believe dover scored on the second play of the game and i think it goes back you know deeper than that that teams are scoring on their very first drive so i think uh, you know the to-do list for coach ball somewhere up there high on that list has to be a better start for the defense right you know, they got it together against dover quickly right. but you know, you can't give up a cheap six points uh, in right. a playoff game. Exactly. Right? And you have so. to be able to capitalize. You know, a lot of these teams are going to be coming up against, uh, if they advance, are going to be tossing the ball. So they've got to be prepared in the backfield uh, to, to 
take advantage of that too. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think Keen, Exeter's going to be facing a team that does a lot of what, what they do, which what I mean by that is if once they get the ball into a certain spot on the field, fourth down is green light, you know, they're going to be going for it, fourth and three, fourth and two, uh, especially in a playoff game like this, where you, you know, you got to play smart football, but you're probably going to have to take some chances if you're keen to, to come out with a victory. So I think they're going to, you know, uh, I would be alert for, you know, anytime it's fourth and short, even if they're in punt formation, you know, red alert because they might go for it or fake a punt or just go for it with their regular offense, uh, draw them offsides, you know, think little things like that that can make a big difference in the game. So, so it's almost like a version of Exeter that they're facing in terms of offense. Yeah, mirror version. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, so it's not a walkover by any stretch. I mean, oh, God, no. No, definitely not. People looking for a, a, a easy W and move on. They, they've got they've to get this game under control and take it to take it to the take take the blackbirds to the woodshed so to speak and and then move on if if it's destined to be yeah i, I would say exeter is the favorite because they're at home and they probably had the better season overall but keen's got five wins and uh again like i said with this style of offense you know a fumble here or you know you throw an interception or uh again it's it's not going to be uh, shouldn't be many possessions for each team. So everything gets really magnified for each offense in terms of opportunities. So it's by no means a walkover. Okay, now the bottom tier of, of the bracketology here, well, as we said earlier, Portsmouth, the number two seed, they get a buy and Bedford, the number three seed in that, in that tier gets the buy. So let's start off with uh, Nashua number seven, taking on Alburn. The winner of that game will have to go up against P Portsmouth Oyster river. Um, tell me about Nashville North and Albert in that matchup. You know, Albert has to be one of the biggest surprises in division one. I think they, I think they won five games this year, five and four new head coach. And of course, you know, they had like a, I think last year, the final game, they ended a 27 game losing streak or something like that. So, you know, they had been struggling in division one and there was talk about them dropping down to division two permanently, but uh, this coach, Matt Lee, has done a tremendous job. Um, and I, I did see Alvin earlier this year. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're a juggernaut by any stretch, but they got a handful of really good players. Uh, you know, you don't win five games by accident. And, and North, you know, they North was, uh, they graduated a lot from a team that was the number one seed last year. But, you know, Exeter beat them earlier in the year. But I think North is one of those teams that was young, and really got better as the season went on and uh, pretty solid team uh, at this point. I don't know that they could knock off any of the top four, but, uh, you know, just a, just a sound, solid football team in all areas, I would say. Nashua North versus Alburn. The winner of that one goes up against Portsmouth Oyster River. What a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> I'll get used to saying it. And then the bottom tier is... Salem, number six, going up against 11, Spalding. The winner of that one goes up against the number three, Bedford. So tell me about Spalding, how, how their season has gone, and then uh, do they have a shot against Salem? Yeah, I would say they do, sure. That's sort of like the Exeter-Keen game in terms of uh, both teams love to run the football, uh, particularly Spalding, more so Spalding. They throw it maybe once a game, uh, typically. So 
And Spalding's a pretty good story because they started 0-4 and they've won five straight since then. So they've got to be playing with a lot of confidence. You know, those four losses are probably just, you know, forgotten in their minds. Um, Salem, another good story, a young team. I think people thought they would be one of the better teams in the state next year. But they kind of accelerated things, and their their only uh, in-state losses came against Pinkerton and Londonderry, both pretty competitive games. So, uh, you know, very that's a solid program. They're always uh, tough kids. They play hard. Uh, probably similar types of kids, I think, in both games. You know, blue collar, uh, Spalding kids, the same way. Uh, I would expect this game to be very much like the Exeter Key game. A lot of running. You know, the clock's going to be the game's going to be over quick. You know, and uh, uh, like in high, many high school football games, it's going to be running defense. You know, how, how you defend the rush? So, uh, but I give both teams a chance in that one. All right, so. First tier, we've talked about the matchups. Do you see any upsets or anything that's an obvious potential upset for you? Really, the only one that uh, I won't be surprised by anything that happens, really, sure. But I would say, believe it or not, the 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 best team I think that or the team that has the best chance at an upset would be Wyndham, which sounds odd because Londonderry is very very good. But just based on the regular season matchup, you know, it was tied at halftime. They ended up losing by seven. I just think Wyndham, for whatever reason, overachieved during the season. So they're clearly an underdog, and and I'm not predicting them to win. But if, you know, if they get a couple things that go their way, like a big play on special teams or create some turnovers, they're going to be right in that game with a chance to win it late. So, uh, that's one that I would, you know, uh, potential upset. I put London there, you're on upset alert, so to speak. In that one. All right. Oh, fair enough. Now, and, and the question I've got to ask you is if you had been putting the brackets together, uh, would you have done it this way? Are you happy with what you see on the page? Yeah. The way they do things. I mean, they, you know, it's, uh, I like the point rating system. It rewards you for beating good teams. Uh, I don't particularly like this system compared to the one that we used to use. I thought the other one was better, but I understand why they had to go to this system where they got the extra team. Um, I'm not sure this is what we're going to use next year. We'll have to see, but uh, yeah, I mean, it pretty much sorts itself out, you know, with the, each team's rating, there's uh, you know, it's not like there's any uh, sub- subjectivity to it. You just, your, your, your results dictate where you end up in the postseason. And of the big three that are sitting back watching what's happening this weekend, Pinkerton, Portsmouth, Oyster River, and Bedford, um, any of those three teams concerned about what they might be playing down the road? Uh, Well, it depends on how far down the road you're talking, Sherm. I think, uh, you know, if, again, Londonderry beat Exeter pretty soundly in the regular season, but if Exeter advances, again, with their style – Coach Ball is always very good the second time around. I'm sure Londonderry would rather see Keene, whether they would admit it or not, I don't know. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, Salem is another one. They, you know, they're, again, they've kind of uh, done better than people thought. They would draw Bedford, which, you know, a lot of people think Bedford's the favorite, but uh, 
you know, Salem's put up good fights against Londonderry and Pinkerton. They traditionally move the ball well when they played Bedford. So, you know, that one could be interesting, that matchup if, if it materializes. Um, but, you know, if you're a top team, you really got to be preparing like you're facing an opponent that could beat you anyways. Otherwise, uh, your season might end. Yeah, on any given Saturday. Yeah, but I really think, to be honest, Sherman, I think what we have here, and most people agree, is we have four teams, the three with the buys plus Londonderry, and then we have a gap between every those four and everybody else. So I think clearly those are the top four. And uh, I would be surprised if those four weren't your semifinalists. That, that would be an upset in my mind. Anybody else gets there. But you never know. I'm not saying it can't happen. It's just, you know, you never know. I know. I'm not uh, projecting uh, this far ahead because I know the, I don't want to jinx anybody, but uh, it wouldn't come down to the championship game. But I still would like to see in that top bracket Pinkerton take on the Blue Hawks. That would be kind of cool. The Exeter Exeter Pinkerton matchup, the two old war horses going at it for the for the chance to go to the big game. Sure, yeah, you could have that in the semis, right? Yeah. Possibly. That would be cool. And, and, and you know, if if the Blue Hawks get that far and and have to play a team like Pinkerton, there have everything has to be going in their favor. Everything has to be going right at that point. Yeah, absolutely. They'd have to beat Londonderry, or probably Londonderry, or even Wyndham would be a handful. Uh, but you know, they've historically, they've always done well against Pinkerton, you know? So, uh, one of the biggest upsets I can remember in the championship game was Exeter over Pinkerton after Astros stomped them pretty good in the regular season. So uh, I was there. Yeah. I remember seeing that game in person. Um, I'm going to shift gears, uh, for a second. We'll get back to the schoolboy football. Cause I know you had a big announcement that, uh, I wanted people to know about, uh, but what's going on with UNH? Uh, they, they're, they're going into a weekend contest against the, the Wildcats versus the Wildcats against Villanova. Uh, it's, it's almost a must win at this point. I mean, we've been putting up points, but we're giving giving a lot of points up. So what, what, what's your projections for what's uh, ahead for the Wildcats? Yeah. A bit of a disappointing season so far based on the expectations. Um, I think all their losses Sherman, by a total of 16 points. So they just can't figure out how to win a close one, I guess. Um, I don't know if they still have a chance or not, to be honest with you. You know, I think last week might've done it for them. I'd like to think that if they went out, you know, they'd be in the conversation, but a lot of it's based on how other teams perform uh, to have any chance. They would certainly have to win out, you know, to, to even have a slim chance, right. but you know, they just got to win a game at this point, like three in a row is asking a lot for a team that's, you know, uh, like you said, struggling on the defensive end. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I had a feeling that Rhode Island game was going to, was going to be a problem. And, uh, if they could have got that one, yeah, I think they would have been feeling pretty good about themselves coming home and, you know, uh, would have had a much better chance against Villanova from a, at least from a mental pr approach standpoint, but right. <clears throat> got to win this weekend for sure. They can put points up. I mean, uh, between uh, Dylan lobby in the backfield, running, running up the, the gut and, and doing his thing and, and uh, Max Brosmer, even the ball and, and uh, 
getting his yardages and his TDs. I mean, but the thing is, the defense has to, it, it can't be 38 to 36 all the time. It has to be, you know, I'd like to see a, a 14 to 7 win. That would be nice, you know? Any win they take, I'm sure, sure. But yeah, you're right. They need a, they need a strong defensive effort. Uh, uh, that would that would certainly be helpful. They're facing a very, very talented Villanova offense. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but, you know, this is the type of win that could springboard them. And, you know, if we are talking about FCS playoffs, uh, beating Villanova would certainly be a huge help. You know, it's, it's, you got to beat some good teams and Villanova certainly qualifies. So this is a, certainly a resume builder for sure. All right. Let's get back to the schoolboy thing. Uh, you have a, a big announcement, the uh, Joe Yukiko award. Now how that came about and, and, and the, the methodology of, of how, you know, the winner was chosen. Well, uh, long story short, sure, the, the coaches in the state were kind of frustrated because the Gatorade player of the year was often going to a prep school player, not an NHIA player, which is fine, I guess. But they just felt like we should have our own award for an in-state player. Like sometimes the prep school player is not from New Hampshire in one case, he wasn't even a United States kid. He was from Canada. So they just felt like uh, we needed something to recognize the best uh, NHIA player in the state. So the Yukika Foundation stepped up, created this award. Uh, they announced uh, the 10 semifinalists for the award today, Thursday. And in two weeks, they're going to narrow it to three. And then before the Division One championship game, I believe Thanksgiving, actually, uh, they're going to announce the winner. So right now we're at 10. Uh, it's voted on by uh, media members throughout the state. And every NHIA head coach gets a vote as well. So you got about 75 people voting, I think. And uh, it's a 3-2-1, just like the Heisman. You get three points for your first choice. And... Uh, you know, I think it's something that's really uh, was needed here, you know, to recognize the best NHIA player in the state. And it can go to any player, any division, regardless. Uh, it doesn't have to be a senior. Uh, so hopefully the uh, state gets behind the award and uh, it grows. Maine has something very similar that is just fantastic. They do a, uh, a huge banquet at the end of the year. It's, it's first class. Uh, it's talked about throughout the uh season so it helps promote football in that state and i hope it's something that uh something similar develops here i hope so too sounds sounds great and, and more information obviously uh can be had on the new hampshire football report.com and also we don't want to forget your new podcast 603 sports podcast uh, people can check in uh, on on both of those sources and the union leader when you call them in the union leader um I, I, two minute drill have you got anything for me this week yeah, uh, back to the uh, the pairings that I was babbling about early, Sherm. I, I think the uh, something that would be helpful to these coaches is if the if the NHIA could release the pairings over the weekend rather than wait till Monday. Uh, it's the way they do it in Vermont and Massachusetts and other states. You know, it's not a hard thing to do. You just look at the rating. Highest rating is one. Second highest rating is two. Because these coaches. They want to start preparing. Like Coach Ball, I know, is in there probably Saturday night, certainly early Sunday morning, ready to go. 
So when the pairings don't come out till Monday, it's a bit of a guessing game. And we've had at least two situations now where teams actually spent some time. In one case, they were preparing for the wrong opponent. This this year, they thought they were, but it got corrected. It was just an incorrect uh, bracket that was released. So I just think if they took an hour and, you know, release the brackets a little earlier, it would benefit everybody. The coaches would certainly be happier about that. Or have a, a formal announcement like they do with, with the all of big brackets, whether, you know, the NCAA, whether it's for basketball or, or the football tournaments coming up uh, in January. I mean, they have a big to do and uh, you could do something similar like you're saying. You can do it on Zoom. You can do it on, uh, you know, the internet somewhere. Yeah, you know, however they want to do it, it's just it's got to be done earlier. You know, Monday's too late. These coaches are, you know, they're ready to go move on to the next opponent. It's not like other sports where, you know, uh, you got to get film and you, you got to do a lot of things to prepare for a football opponent. You know, I, I, you know, if other states do it on Sunday, I don't, I don't know why New Hampshire can't do it. Uh, you know, for my two minute drill, I just wanted to uh, congratulate the uh, Seacoast teams that were involved in all the uh, fall events. Uh, the Exeter Blue Hawk uh, soccer teams, the boys and the girls, uh, ended their season a little early this year. The field hockey team uh, uh, also uh, they put on valiant efforts, all three, and uh, came up a little short. But uh, the Seacoast is still represented in the girls' soccer tournament, both the Portsmouth uh, Clippers and uh, the Timberland Owls girls' teams are going to be going for the championship on Super Soccer Sunday, like I like to call it. And uh, that'll be at William Ball Stadium, by the way. Games start at one o'clock, Division One. Then they'll have the Unified, which uh, the Exeter Blue Hawks uh, are there with uh, Catherine Nichols as their coach. Uh, that'll be decided at three fifteen, and then that uh, give or take five-ish, they'll be uh, starting the Division Two contest. So it's going to be a busy weekend of soccer, girls' soccer at William Ball Stadium. And uh, you know, again, Dover came out the winner in the field hockey tournament. So congratulations to the Dover Green Wave girls uh, for the field hockey victory championship. And overall, the, it's always a fun season. Uh, Jim Tufts and I did a, a show last week and we were talking about soccer and, and how this is, this is the season when everybody gets just kind of revitalized. And of course, football is the icing on the cake. And we got a couple of real key uh, teams in there, our Blue Hawks, Portsmouth Oyster River Clipper Cats and uh, and uh, Dover's involved in it. So we're represented. We should uh, have some interesting football and uh, to cap the fall season off before we head into winter and, and the other winter sports. Yeah, you know, and football goes well past Thanksgiving in Division One, So uh, still a lot of football to be played. Uh, and, you know, we depending on if Exeter's in it or not, we may have the championship game back here at Ball Stadium again this season. So, uh a lot to look forward to for sure, like you said. We'll have to touch base uh, in a week or two and uh, see where we stand. And uh, hopefully the Seacoast teams are still standing. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have, you know, in football, we'll certainly have Portsmouth. Uh, you know, I think we'll have, if I had to guess, I think we're going to have Exeter and, and maybe Dover as well. And, uh, you know, Spalding is in the mix. So, yeah, we'll have some Seacoast representatives uh, for the quarterfinals for sure. It'll be good football. That's all that matters. All right. Well, let's wrap things up. Uh, so on behalf of Roger Brown from the union leader and also New Hampshire football report.com and the 603 sports podcast, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seaco sports forum.